Hello, welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, continuing uh, our end-of-the-year series of podcasts here and a couple of episodes to help you kill some travel time and, and sometimes in airports or cars going to your holiday destinations. And uh, one we've all been looking forward to today, have some expert insight coming from the coaching carousel this season. And Zach Barnett from Football Scoop is here. And Zach, uh, I will say this now, um, I think so highly of you and what you guys do that I frantically messaged you last year about something because you and I had opposing information on something, um, whether or not Bam Hardman was going to be an assistant coach here. And I immediately backtracked because I was told he was at the airport leaving and on his way to join the staff. And you guys had that he was saying, and when I see you guys say one thing and I say another, I immediately go, "Uh oh, and it turns out you were right. So again, uh, that's the, um, that's the level of expertise we have here. So, uh, so welcome in and I'm glad you're getting some time off here. And it strikes me that you actually do get a little bit of time off because there are no open jobs right now. How strange is that? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And second of all, I, uh, I am a huge fan of the, the early signing period mm-hmm. because I, I understand if I was a coach, I would absolutely hate it. But for our job, it, uh, it really creates a kind of a hard deadline for all these jobs to get wrapped up before Christmas. So, uh, it definitely helps you, uh, you know, take that, that extra sip of eggnog, not, not knowing, you know, not, not worrying too much about, you know, what jobs are about to pop open right this second? Be honest with me. How much are you looking at your cell phone or your messages or the bottom line on ESPN when you're at a holiday party, when you're driving? Maybe not driving. Maybe like when your wife is driving and you're in the passenger seat just so we're safe. But we're always in fear of something like that because the moment that we say, oh, it's nice and calm right now, that's when it hits the fan, right? Yeah, I, I have developed an internal clock inside my head where alarms start going off if I haven't checked my phone in five, if, if it's been, it feels like a long time and then I realize it's been like three minutes, but it's about as, it's about as close to constant without being totally constant as it can possibly be. And, um, you know, if I'm driving to, to the in-laws or something for two hours and then, you know, it, it's, it's definitely like, you know, having cigarette withdrawal. So it's, probably not the most healthiest thing for me mentally or uh, uh, as a parent for my, for my kids to see me doing that. But, you know, it's, a, you know it, it's what pays the bills. Particularly unnerving is that you guys are, are a niche site. And I don't mean that as an insult, but like you're so focused on what you do that you guys don't invite a lot of other um, information sources into the conversation. And what I mean by that is, you know who to go to and people know who to go to to talk to you guys. And by and large, your stuff is 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 largely accurate. I mean, I would say close to 100 percent unless someone is lying to you, which isn't your fault. And honestly, that's the reason I bring up the Bam Hartman thing is that like everybody who told me about the people who were coming told me that, hey, he's on the plane, he's going. And I thought it was true. But when again, I saw that you guys had something different. I was like, oh, here we go. This isn't good, which brings me to my point here, too. How hard and how deceiving and how convoluted can your trade be right now where Anybody who covers a team at a school or anybody who thinks they cover a team um, can enter the conversation. And you may be right, but someone on Twitter or someone in the comments could say, well, actually, this person says something different. And then whoever, quote unquote, this person is becomes a source of information now. And now instead of one story and one linear path from firing to hiring or resignation to hiring, 
we have so many twists and turns and loops and circles now too. I imagine for you, it's particularly frustrating. Yeah. And, uh, it's definitely a tricky deal that, that you, you got to really know with experience, uh, to, to really navigate, you know, develop your sources and, and obviously, you know, we report our fair share, but we don't break all the news. So, uh, within different markets and, and different, you know, national outlets, you, you really gain a, a sense of, of who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. And certainly, you know, with, within the West Virginia market, you are a guy that's like, we know, okay, he knows what he's talking about, but you know, sometimes we run into trouble because our information might be a little bit ahead of uh, what people on, 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 a, on a coaching staff know. So uh, there was a, a move, I think, it was either at the FCS or Division Two level uh, last month, where we reported a guy was out, and then one guy in the staff was like, "Hey, we haven't heard of that. Hey, we haven't heard of that." And we're like, "Yeah, we're we wrong." And then it turns out we were just three, four, or five hours ahead of of what the staff knew. And then um, you know, just now we're trying. Uh, just a couple a uh, couple days ago, we reached out to a guy on a staff that had made changes, and you know, trying to figure out who's staying, who's going. And so we asked the guy that was still there, like, hey, is this guy going? Is this guy going? He responded back, like, man, honestly, I, I go to you guys to figure out what, what's going on here because I don't know. So <laughs> it, it's just there's just so many shifting uh, things. And then there's uh, certain times where we report something. And then the fact that we reported it uh, and it got out there, you know, changes the minds of people that uh, that, that are involved in the process of so the material facts of the situation change and, you know, readers aren't always uh, privy to that. And, you know, not everyone, our competitors aren't, you know, obviously under obligation to paint us in the best light. So it, it's definitely a tricky time of year and you know, it, it's challenging and, and it's fun. I'm glad you said fun because it should be. And like, sometimes you run into these walls and you hit your head and it hurts, but like, man, when you break through, it's a great feeling too. So I'm, I'm glad you, you said fun because it should be too. Um, Let's let's talk about this one here. Apart from the fact that it's over right now, I'm not going to say it's over, period, because things are going to happen afterwards. We're probably – the carousel stopped spinning right now, but they're going to recharge the jukebox, and it's going to get going again too. But um, anything trend-wise or headline-wise about – not a very large group of changes, but it seemed like business was done quickly. The people who you thought would end up in spots ended up in spots. I don't know if it wasn't surprising or I don't know if it was tidy, but what is your general observation of this iteration of the coaching carousel? I, mean, I definitely think it's the, the, the top line changes are, are the ones that happened at Florida state and Arkansas. Uh, you know, given that, I mean, Florida state fired Tag, Willie Taggart after two years when he had a buyout that was close to $20 million and, mm -hmm. You know, as recently as, you know, two or three years ago, maybe maybe even last year, you thought, okay, well, it's a $20 million buyout. You know, they're, they're going to have to eat it for at least one more year. And then obviously that that's not what happened. And he didn't even make it all the way through two years. So I think we, everybody, you know, that, that follows college football is going to kind of have to adjust, uh, you know, how we view these, these, you know, crazy numbers that are out there and in regards to, you know, who's safe and who isn't and, you know, if, if a buyout or a, a contract extension, you know, really uh, will keep a school off the market for another two years, because yeah, as, as those two, those schools showed us, that's not the case. So buyouts aren't really the, the brick wall we thought they once were? No, 
at least at least not at, at, at the at the major level at the SEC ACC level, and it, just because the money in, in the sport has gotten so ridiculous, and it, you know we you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but at, at, there's just been that large assumption that, okay, at some point it's going to slow down. There's going to be some sense here. And, you know, if, if that point has arrived it, or it will arrive, it, I don't see it in the immediate future. What do you think the future of that is? Because Jimbo Fisher's contract is bizarre. Um, I don't think that's the model for the future, but they can do that. And they had to do something strong to get him away and also to sell it as the right thing for them to do. Um, here, Dana Holgerson's contract, um, he couldn't get enough of his money guaranteed because they don't feel like doing that here. That's not unique in college football. They're not going to guarantee 100% of your contract. His is guaranteed at Houston. Um, I'm with you. I don't think buyouts matter anymore. They can be litigated. And frankly, I don't know why schools are attaching their contracts with such a large margin for or a number for both sides. Um, is that something that's going to dissipate over time, or is it going to be completely up to the whims of a president or athletic director? And it could, it could be random in perpetuity. Yeah, I think one thing that I think the internet has changed in a lot of ways is that the if an agent feels like he he can get an AD or a president, you know, where he has leverage over them, then pretty much the agent's always going to win. In a lot of in a lot of places, the, the tail ends up, you know, wagging the dog. Where if you can get a president involved, or if you can get the board involved, in to where they're set on a particular coach, or we've we've got to extend this guy, even if the market doesn't really dictate it. Well, a lot of times the president they're not football people. The board, you know, they fancy themselves as football people, but a lot of times they read the same, you know, websites that the rest of us do. So. And a lot of times it, it's just sense and logic and reason don't end up uh, – they're, they're not driving the, court, driving the cart there. And the, the agents have, you know, to their credit, you know, they're doing their job, have taken advantage of that. So where uh, that's where a situation where you get maybe Missouri playing Eli Drinkwood's $4 million a year when, uh, you know, the market didn't really dictate that. It's funny you mentioned this, um, and I think by and large, buyouts are so misunderstood. Um, last year at this time, I guess, the, or maybe not this time, 11 months from ago, Neil Brown's buyout was supposed to be about $3.5 million. And I remember a decision maker at the university saying, well, I can't believe this, and linking it to me about a, that had been reported somewhere. And it turned out his buyout was $300,000 because people have been calculating his contract, salary times the number of years left where there is actually a clause in his contract for $300,000, which is a much more palatable number for an athletic director. So yeah, largely misunderstood. And uh, I don't think people quite get it very much. Um, let's talk about a couple, a couple of trends here too. Um, I'm fascinated by Herm Edwards and how that's worked. And that was widely panned. Uh, John Gruden has done a little bit better than people probably expected. And I know that's different levels, but you get out of the game, it's hard to get back in it. And even broadcast, you have a window into it, but how great is it? Um, we kind of saw a run on college coaches to the NFL and vice versa. I'm not sure how much the NFL is really like college right now where that's a perfect fit. Maybe the other way. Maybe college is good for the NFL. Um, coordinators are always going to get jobs, it seems like, before an assistant gets a head coaching job. Um, is there a trend that you have your eyes on or your thumb on that you think is a pattern either now or coming in the future? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Uh, one thing that I think this season has shown us is that, you know, the, the typical hiring pattern of, you know, position coach to coordinator, coordinator to head coach, obviously that's, that's always going to be there. But, you know, some of the guys that the head coaches that had their best seasons never really spent all that much time as coordinators. Uh, Dabo Sweeney obviously was never a coordinator. Uh, Ed Orgeron spent very little time as a coordinator. P.J. Fleck is a guy that really didn't spend hardly, I don't think any time as a coordinator. Uh, Matt rule, not really much of a coordinator. He was a, you know, assistant offensive line coach with the giants when, when he got the head job at temple. So and, and that really uh, feeds in, into just kind of the, the philosophical question of what is the head coach's job? And, you know, those guys, it's very clear. They let their, they let their coordinators, do the coaching and they delegate that and then they lead the program, you know, uh, in terms of energy, spiritually, holistically, however you want to call it. And so with that success, then that leads into, you know, the debate of, you know, why can't Deion Sanders be the, be the Florida state head coach? He can go hire his staff. Right. Um, uh, this isn't your, your listeners aren't going to hear too much about this, but at North Texas, uh, my, my dad and all their family, all of our family went to North Texas, and they've been arguing for guy John Lott, who's been NFL strength coach for a long time, to be the North Texas head coach. And they they say, hey, give him a staff, and he can do it. And so when when guys like that succeed, uh, I mean, you can even throw Mac Brown in this the CEO model rather than you know the Lincoln Riley. Nick Saban model where the, where the head coach is, you know, everybody knows is in charge of one side of the ball. Uh, I think that's kind of seen a, a resurgence this year. Let me ask you about your North Texas scenario. Cause that's not the first time I've heard that. Um, few people are around players as much or as intimately as a strength coach is. They do a lot of stuff that is different than coaching, but they really get to know those players. Frequently they've been football players. Um, there just aren't a lot of guys who are respected more and who know how to run a program. If you can run a weight room and you can get guys to give themselves to 6 a.m. workouts, um, not only the hour of the day, but how many hours during a day, how many days during a week and weeks during a year they do that, it, it takes a special connectivity. Do you think we're far from seeing something like that? Maybe not at a power five, but like perhaps North Texas or perhaps someplace that has somebody who is a really respected guy who can put his staff together and get everybody to fall in line with him, much like he gets players to fall in line with him in the weight room. Yeah, I think that would need to be a situation where he's named as the interim, and you know, a head coach is, is fired or leaves uh, mid-season. 
mm-hmm. or before bowl game, and you know the, the players kind of demand it. I think that's because any you know most coaches, most ads, you know they're not going to come out and say this, but a lot of their decision making is what's going to make me look the least stupid if this doesn't work out. <laughs> and if you hire a strength coach to be to be your head coach and it doesn't work out, you're going to look really stupid. So uh, I don't. But as to your point, that I think that's why we've seen you know guys that have experience on special teams uh, become successful head coaches just because much like strength coaches, they're really the only guys that coach the entire roster and that have you know, every single position group. They got to get motivated and get to buy into something that, you know, maybe they don't feel is really their job description. So I think if, if I'm an AD and I, I see my candidate has significant special teams experience, then that's something that that's a huge positive for me. Interesting. I like that. It's a good point. The best way in maybe is an interim and then it goes from there. And uh, West Virginia is certainly familiar with that. And they have a strength coach here they like an awful lot. So that's why that was relevant to me. But that's a really good answer there, too. Um, let's stick with West Virginia um, as we wrap up here with Zach Barnett. Just a couple more questions, if that's all right. Um, year one for Neil Brown, whatever. A lot of people call it year zero. But what strikes me as unusual is that people say right now, you know, good thing that Dana Holgerson walked out because Neil Brown wouldn't be available right now, and West Virginia would not have this guy who seems like such a perfect fit. The Appalachia part, he's from not too far away. Um, he really does fit in, and he's kind of authored and, I think, performed the culture change that I really needed right now. And people say, you know what, he wouldn't have been available. It was surprising he was available in January last year, given the number of jobs. So curious what you think of that. If Holgerson had stayed and walked out this year, I don't know. Is Brown available? Would he have gotten the look or even the job at, say, Florida State or Ole Miss or Arkansas even? Um, or did this line up perfectly for both parties? I, I do think Neil's a great fit at West Virginia, and I think he is where, where he uh, belongs. But, yeah, I think he definitely would have been in play. I, I think Florida State probably would have still gone with Norvell. Right. And I think, I think Ole Miss was, was fully on the lane train. But, uh, you know, Arkansas searched – far and wide before before settling on Sam Pittman. And obviously you look at the hire Mizzou made and you know first year guy to Eli Drinkwitz obviously did very well in his first year. But if, if if Neil Brown's on the market then he would have been very competitive for that job as well. What's the buzz on him? I think everybody was really impressed by what he did in his last three years at Troy and thought get him in the seat at a power five school and watch what happens. Um, it seems like he's put the pieces in place to move onward and upward fast, but that's on my side of things. When you talk to people and people talk to you, what did they think? What do they think of him as, as the head coach of a power five school? Yeah, I think he's in that, that group with uh, uh, Matt Campbell as a, a guy that is, you know, obviously climbing the ladder. And, you know, once he gets it, He's he's in a good, really good spot, I think, for his career, where he can stay at West Virginia for a long time, and uh, really uh, be picky if he wants to move on to a a absolute elite job, where you know a lot of people think you know Matt Campbell is he would only leave Iowa State for an Ohio State or, or Michigan or a job like that. I think Neil's kind of in that that in that group. Obviously, he he's behind you know Matt Campbell where where he is in his program at Iowa State, but. He's in a point, place where you know he doesn't need to leave. He can he can build something at West Virginia, and then if a an absolute knock your socks off offer comes, he can take it. But if one doesn't come, then he he can stick around at West Virginia for a long time. 
Yeah, pretty good consolation prize being the head coach of West Virginia. I guess <laughs> I know what you mean there. It's good. Um, the uh, the Big Twelve. Um, I, I think if you go top to bottom, the ten coaches here are, are pretty good. And what strikes me as odd is if you include Neil Brown, Les Miles, Chris Kleiman, even Matt Wells, it may be four for four in the off season. Time will tell. But I think that there were promising signs for all of them. Um, not great records, but you saw good stuff from Kansas and Texas Tech. Um, and it's going to take time to get those going in the right direction again, too. But also at the top of the conference, you mentioned Campbell, obviously, Riley, Gundy. There's some heavy hitters. Patterson, I don't have to tell you that, too. But um, it, it seems like these coaches could be here for as long as they want. And it may not be long, but I guess a dual question, how good is the leadership here? And then how, I don't know, volatile is the word, but how volatile is it where a guy could leave for an NFL job or – uh, be that Matt Rule, Lincoln Riley, or a guy could leave for a major Power Five school. It seems like that's a strange thing when you're talking about a Power Five league. But I wonder how many of these coaches are stapled to where they're at for how long. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, 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 I think the Big Twelve is the deepest uh, head coaching roster of any league. There's wow. obviously when you have ten instead of fourteen, uh, there's not a lot of fat there, but. Maybe maybe not the the top level of the SEC, but there's there's not a single bad one in in the conference. Whereas you could certainly pick and choose in, in the other leagues. And uh, obviously, as we've seen throughout conference realignment, the Big Twelve is also a league that, that other uh, you know the, the the bigger fish look at they can pick off some. So Matt Rule uh, is going to be at the the top of any list as long as he's as long as he's there. I, I know that if 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 James Franklin left Penn State, then then he's going to be the top guy at at that job. He's going to be the top guy. Obviously, he's he was close to leaving for the Jets last year. Any any NFL opening, they're going to at least sniff around at Matt Rule. And on the, and then Lincoln Riley's in the same boat. You know, if, if he you know signals, hey, I, I've done all I can in Oklahoma. I'm ready to move on. Then he's going to move to the top of the list for that. Obviously, Matt Campbell is yeah, as we discussed earlier. It, it seems like he's waiting for for a top five job in, in the, mid, the Midwest to open. So uh, that, and then a guy like Gary Patterson, you know, yeah. obviously he, he's got a literal statue at TCU, but he's kind of in that, that, that phase of his career where you could see him doing it for another 10 years, or you could also see him being like, you know what? I, I've, I ran the race. I've made all the money I need. I'm going to step down kind of in, in a Bob Stoops mold. So, uh, you know, the Big Twelve has a great group, but you know, great groups never stay together for too long because other people take take notice. Final question for you, Zach. Um, a theory. We've talked about trends or whatever, and and who could be the new model for coaches. And I don't know if this is a plot for a sitcom or a, a short run series on HBO or whatever. But tell me why or how a sports reporter could find himself running a college football program? I think you'd have to get on TV first because I think we've seen, even in, from everything from NFL GMs to the highest office of the land, that there's no power like being on TV lots <laughs> and lots of times. So you, you get yourself a job as an analyst or a studio guy on ESPN. You do that uh, enough times and then you start, uh, you know, covertly making the case why you should be the, the head coach at your alma mater. You you build connections with 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 coaches. You build connections with with board members, with donors, and then uh, when the when the time is right, you strike. You slide right in there, 
And then uh, I, I think it happens. And, and, you know, I think, you know, that's why here in 2025, we're going to talk about uh, you as the head coach at West Virginia. Mm. Oh, boy. Uh, no one's rushing that one out there. <laughs> but I think you make a good point. But also, who deals with the media better than the media? And I could start the fiercest whisper campaign behind the scenes with sources and everything like that. I mean, this thing could be an inferno by 2025, but I got to get on TV first, I guess is your point. Yeah. You, you got to get on TV. It's not going to happen if you're not on TV. So, so the first job is, is to get yourself a TV gig and then, and then go from there. All right. Well, Zach Barnett, uh, I'm going to hang up with you and I'm going to call my boss about future spots on CBS HQ. Uh, you are on the road here shortly. I thank you for your time. I wish you happy holidays. Everybody check him and your whole team out there. Coach Sam's uh, Scott's over there as well. Footballscoop.com at football scoop. Correct. Nothing like at football scoop.com. Um, that's the go-to site. That's the yeah. authority. That's why he's here today. Uh, Zach, thank you. Wish you well. If you have any parting words, I will leave you with the floor here. Uh, thank you for having me. And you know, I mean what I said earlier, uh, anytime there's rumblings of anything's happening, we, we go to you because we know that uh, you're, the, you're, you're the top guy in that West Virginia market. Ah, oh, the perfect stocking stuffer. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Best <laughs> to you. We'll talk again soon. And that is all for this time. We will see you next time for earsports.com. I am Mike Casazza. Take care.